Hey guys, welcome to Not At Dinner, the podcast where we talk about politics, religion, and everything else you're not supposed to talk about in polite company. I'm Link, your host for this podcast, and today we are going to talk about the thing we can't stop talking about. Brett Kavanaugh, sexual assault, survivor stories, are false accusations a real thing that we need to be worried about? The Supreme Court, how does it even work? All that stuff. Let's start at the beginning. There's an opening on the Supreme Court. In the case that there's an opening on the Supreme Court, the sitting president will nominate a Supreme Court justice. Typically, this is someone who's served on federal courts before and has been a judge and is well-known in the community, has clerked often for Supreme Court justices in the past, and so on. Once the president nominates somebody to sit on the Supreme Court, Congress will take some time to go through their background check, go through their personal history, go through their previous rulings, ask them questions about their thoughts on precedent and very complex legal concepts to understand if they are fit to sit on the Supreme Court. Supreme Court is a lifetime job. Once you get it, you have it until you either die or until you choose to retire. So it's a big deal. There's only nine Supreme Court justices ever at one time, so it is one of the most elite jobs in the country. It's also one of the most important jobs in the country. The Supreme Court has ruled on cases like marriage equality. Um, They ruled on the Hobby Lobby case, which allowed companies with a firmly held religious belief to choose not to pay for birth control in their health coverage. They've ruled on many, many more cases than that. So it's very important that whomever sits on the Supreme Court is level-headed, is knowledgeable, is able to make decisions based on facts, based on the law, based on the Constitution, and not based on their necessarily political views or allegiance to one party or another. So that's where we're at now. Congress is looking into Brett Kavanaugh, who's been nominated by the president, to see if he's fit to serve on the most important court in the country, the Supreme Court. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why you have both sides kind of frustrated with you know, I want my guy on the Supreme Court, I want to make sure he's someone that's going to rule on the cases that I care about in the way that I want them to be ruled on. Technically, that's not how a Supreme Court justice is supposed to be selected. Officially, it's supposed to just be like, can they make a decision that is intelligent, that is based on law, and based on the Constitution. Things have gotten to be so partisan that here we are. It's important to note also that Brett Kavanaugh does have in his past time served as a GOP operative, so to speak. He worked in the Bush White House, Bush 2 in the White House, um, and has helped with Republican endeavors very often. So 
inherently whichever side you sit on that should make you nervous just because the Supreme Court should be nonpartisan. So that's one thing about Brett Kavanaugh that we need to keep in mind. The other thing is that it is the case that the Democrats probably do want to do what they can to keep Brett Kavanaugh and any very right-wing justice off the court. If the tables were turned, the Republicans would be behaving in the same way. We can see that based on the way that they treated Merrick Garland when a Supreme Court opening happened while Obama was a sitting president. Even with an election coming up, it is actually, it does fall within the job of the president to nominate someone to be on the Supreme Court, regardless of how long before the end of their term. It also could be argued that had the Republicans chosen to confirm Merrick Garland, that the Democrats wouldn't be pushing so hard against Brett Kavanaugh. So there is a lot of partisan kind of back and forth going on between the Democrats and the Republicans and who should sit on the court and who shouldn't sit on the court. And that's all stuff that happens with every single Supreme Court justice seat that's ever opened. There's always going to be some political jostling between each party to get their guy, you know, on the court. What kind of took this particular Supreme Court justice seat and this situation to the next level is the sexual assault allegations that have been made against Brett Kavanaugh. I think it was when those allegations were made that this news kind of spiked from being yeah, 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 we're just talking about more partisan jostling and he's going to get confirmed no matter what to, okay, we really need to think about this as a country and and decide how we want to move forward. Because I think we can all agree that someone who has committed sexual assault does not deserve to sit on the Supreme Court. The debate then becomes, did Brett Kavanaugh commit sexual assault Are the allegations that are being made against him true? Are they made up just so that the women that are making the allegations can get their 15 minutes of fame? Are they, are these women being paid by the Democrats to make these allegations? Um, Right? There's a lot of stuff just like spiraling around about what's going on. If we put it all to a side, set aside your party affiliation set aside your vote for president if you voted for hillary if you voted for trump if you voted for bernie and you might maybe still a little salty about that set that aside for a second it doesn't matter right now instead think about this let's start with dr ford dr ford alleges that in 1982 at a high school party that She went upstairs to use the restroom. She was pushed from behind into a bedroom. Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge were in the room, closed the door, turned up the music, and Brett Kavanaugh followed up with sexually assaulting her. And he was too drunk. He fell off the bed. She managed to escape before anything, quote-unquote, happened. But remember, 
being pinned to a bed, feeling like you can't escape, having your mouth covered up when you try to scream so that you think you might accidentally be killed is traumatizing. End, end, full stop. That is traumatizing. So, if that happened, and it was Brett Kavanaugh that did that, he is not qualified to sit on the Supreme Court. It's also true that Dr. Ford doesn't remember the time or the place or whose house it is. She's not able to draw the floor plan of the entire home. She doesn't know how she got to or from the party. She never told her parents. She never told her friends at the time. And she never told the police. So, okay, I understand how that throws a wrench in some folks' mind. Statistically, individuals, especially when they're children, remember 15 is a child, when they're children, they don't report sexual assault. They're going to be worried about, as Dr. Ford said, telling their parents that they went to a party. Maybe they weren't allowed to go to the party. Maybe they went, maybe they said they were at one person's house that they actually went to a party. They would have to confess that they broke the rules. Not only did they go to a party, but it was a party where there was drinking. And it was a party where there were boys. And it was a party where there was no supervision. So that's something Dr. Ford, at 15, when she was just... 15-year-old Christine, would have had to admit to her parents. And then she would have had to probably explain to them that this isn't what she wanted. It's going to go through her mind, Did are her parents going to believe her? Because it's common for sexual assault survivors to be accused of just simply regretting the experience. That you did this, you wanted it, you consented to it. Your assaulter may even say, yeah, it happened, but it was consensual. And you will be accused of just being a regretful slut, so to speak. So it is reasonable to think that Dr. Ford wouldn't have reported this in real time. It's also reasonable that her memory doesn't hold up and only remembers the actual traumatizing event. That's the way memory works. And you can look up any study anywhere by any expert and they will tell you the same thing. Trauma messes with your memory. It causes you to remember certain things, and it causes you to forget the less important things. Your brain is focused on surviving. It's going to remember the things that you had to do to survive, but all that other stuff, your, it's, your brain's not going to keep it because it doesn't matter. The floor plan of the house, how she got home, how she got to the party, who owned the house? These aren't details that are pertinent to Christine Bosley Ford getting out of the house and staying alive. So those two arguments, they don't hold water, so to speak. Dr. Ramirez, excuse me, Miss Ramirez, alleges that Brett Kavanaugh at a college party when they both attended Yale um, harassed her by putting his private parts in her face, making her touch it, and so on. She was also drinking. There's not a lot of memory of that. And finally, Julie Swetnick alleges that Brett Kavanaugh was at a party where boys were lining up to have their way with a girl. Each of these are some parts believable and some parts not. Anyone that 
went to a college or high school party. Can't deny that these types of events take place at high school and college parties, whether we like it or not. Julie Swetnick's allegation is one that I've never personally witnessed or seen or heard any of my friends experiencing, but I have no doubt in my mind that there are parties where that happens and that the girls don't report it because it's scary. That's something that we need to address long-term is the fact that all of these events, whether or not Brett Kavanaugh really did do them, are believable both in the summer of 1982 in the Mid-Atlantic, but are also believable in any decade in any region of the United States at any time. These types of things happen. So that's where you get to the question of why are women, majority of women, so upset? And the reason is, this is something that has been going on in this country for decades that women have been living with or dealing with or putting up with. And they're done. And they're done maybe in part because Donald Trump was elected, you know, maybe in part because people finally came forward about Harvey Weinstein. Who knows what triggered the final dam opening? But. Women are done seeing powerful men who have committed assault getting powerful jobs despite their criminal behavior. So if we all agree that sexual assault perpetrators should not sit on the Supreme Court, then it is imperative that we find out if any of the claims being made against Brett Kavanaugh are true, because if they are, he needs to be immediately removed from nomination, and somebody else should be nominated in his place. If they're not true, then we go back to the partisan debate, and Democrats and Republicans can decide if Brett Kavanaugh is okay to sit on the Supreme Court with all the other more political reasons that folks don't want him on the Supreme Court. But if he is a sex criminal, that is disqualifying. So then we move to the question of why, why don't people think it's possible that Dr. Ford is lying? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think Dr. Ford is 100% believable. I believe her. I believe her because her testimony was clear. Her testimony was confident. She knew the details that it would make sense for a trauma survivor to remember. She was believable. Even people who maybe want Brett Kavanaugh to be innocent have been saying, I believe something happened to Dr. Ford, but maybe not by Brett Kavanaugh. That's a really interesting thing to do because it's really hard to have watched Dr. Ford's testimony and not to believe her. I believe her. And I believe that she knows which boy it was that was doing this to her. Because she has eyes. And she knew each of these boys back then. And so it's easy for her to say, this was the boy that did this to me. So, let's talk about Brett. Brett Kavanaugh 
went to a high school called Georgetown Prep. I can't even imagine what an all-boys school in the Mid-Atlantic was like in the 80s. If John Hughes movies, if art is a reflection of life, then, yeah, parties happened. A lot. And that's okay. I don't think it's disqualifying if a Supreme Court justice drank in high school, even if he was, it was illegal. It was illegal for him, for Brett Kavanaugh to be drinking at 16 years old. I don't think it's disqualifying if he did, in fact, drink at 16. I, even, if he drank at 16, 17, and even into college, and he drank to excess, and he drank to where he had to piece together the previous night a few times, even that I wouldn't find to be disqualifying. What I find interesting, and this is where I start to lean more on believing Dr. Ford than believing Brett Kavanaugh, is why lie about it? Why lie about it? You're not 17 anymore. Your parents aren't going to ground you for having gone over to Tobin's and had beer with Squee. But, you know, Brett Kavanaugh is something like 53 years old right now. There's no sense in lying about having a beer when you were 16 or 17 when you're 53. People did that. It's fine. What's important to note is when someone starts lying about the little things, you have to ask yourself, what big things are they also lying about? If Judge Kavanaugh is not capable of being honest about a dumb joke that he made about boofing when he was 16, then how can I trust him to be honest about his judgment on the Supreme Court? If Brett Kavanaugh is going to lie to me and to the American people and to the Senate about what Devil's Triangle meant in his high school yearbook, then it follows that he would lie about a much bigger thing that would prevent him from moving forward in his career, like sexual assault. I think listening to Brett Kavanaugh talk about drinking, talking about liking beer, talking about the, quote, drinking game, Devil's Triangle, or boofing, meaning fart, or the Ralph Club, meaning that he had a sensitive stomach. These excuses sounded like excuses that a teenager would make to his parents to avoid getting grounded. They didn't seem like level-headed, well-thought-out, honest answers that an adult would provide. If Brett Kavanaugh is innocent, then an honest answer to the question about what a devil's triangle is would be this. Oh yeah, devil's triangle is a sex position. We were 16, we were dumb, we thought it was a funny joke to talk about doing that. We were too naive and inexperienced to really understand what it meant. It's not something that either of us ever did. But, you know, we were 16, we were dumb, and we made a stupid joke about something neither of us had ever done. That's the truth if you're innocent. 
And there's nothing disqualifying about that truth. I can't think of anybody who didn't make some stupid idiotic joke when they were 16 years old. Right, we all did it. The one thing Brett Kavanaugh said that's true is that we all have something from our high school years that would make us cringe. But the question is, why lie about it then? It's, it makes no sense. You would lie about it because you're guilty. You would lie about it because you did do that with your friend Mark Judge and the girl didn't consent. That's a reason you would lie about it. So that's where I start to question Judge Kavanaugh. Nothing he says seems to really track. He gave a speech in 2015 where he said, what happens at Georgetown Prep stays at Georgetown Prep and that's good for all of us. That's, that doesn't track with his stories in 2018 about how he just went to church and did service projects. Well, I don't want the service projects I've done to stay in my past. I want people to know about them. I want people to recognize them. What happens at Georgetown Prep stays at Georgetown Prep. Another thing that he talked about in that speech in 2015 is that there was a night where he drank so much that he fell out of the bus. And the following morning, he had to piece together his memories of the previous night. In 2018, he says that he never drank to excess. In 2018, he says that he never drank so much that he had to piece together the previous night. He never drank to blacking out, he says in 2018. So comparing these two things makes him inherently flawed. He's lying about something. And why lie? Why lie? And if you are the kind of person who's going to lie, I don't think you should be able to sit on the Supreme Court. Now, if you have committed sexual assault and you know that you have, and you are a federal judge, by the way, that's his current job, he's a federal judge. If he didn't get confirmed to be on the Supreme Court, he would go back to being a federal judge. However, if he gets caught committing perjury, or if he gets caught committing sexual assault, it's likely that he could lose his job. He could no longer be a federal judge. So that is a reason to hold on for dear life and to try not to get caught. It's also possible, and I think this is the thing we need to really address the most, it is also possible that Brett Kavanaugh, who his classmates say drank to excess often, who his classmates have said that they partied with him on nights where they can't imagine he could have possibly remembered the night. It is possible that Brett Kavanaugh drank so much in high school and college that he committed these acts, these crimes, and doesn't remember. It could be possible that he and Mark Judge are both saying that they don't recall any of these events because they, in fact, don't recall them. Because they were that drunk. It's also possible that they did this type of behavior so often that they don't even remember because it didn't impact them as much. So there's lots and lots of reasons why, why Brett Kavanaugh would lie, why he would be doing everything he can to keep his job. There's lots of reasons why 
people wouldn't recall, witnesses wouldn't recall that event. On the flip side, I can't think of a single reason why Dr. Christine Blasey Ford would risk her life, her family's life, her family's safety and security, if this wasn't true. Why she would put herself through reliving that trauma in front of the Senate, which is made up of people who are not particularly empathetic humans, and that goes for Republicans and Democrats. They, politicians aren't known for being empathetic. Some of them are, I'm sure, but I'm just saying it's not a common trait among politicians. She relived her trauma in front of them and in front of the world at the risk of losing everything while getting death threats, while her family was getting death threats. To what end? She's getting nothing out of it. She is a successful research psychologist. She is financially comfortable. She has a husband and children and a house. She has nothing to gain by doing this. Brett Kavanaugh has everything to lose by doing this. So when you compare those two sets of testimony, those two sets of facts, Brett Kavanaugh does not come out looking especially good. And the only possible way to clear his name is with the FBI investigation. So let's talk about that. I'm sure a lot of you lis- like watched or listened to um, the testimony that happened on Thursday, September, I don't know, 27th, I'm going to say, something around that date. Everybody was glued to their TVs. People on planes were watching. People in sports bars were watching, which as a nerd, listen, C-SPAN in the sports bar, that sounds great. I'm here for that. Did you watch the next day on Friday when the Judiciary Committee came back together and there's 21 members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, 10 Democrats and 11 Republicans? This is determined only by which party has the majority in the Senate. If the Democrats had the majority in the Senate, then they would have the majority on the Judiciary Committee. That's how it's always been. That's not unique. Each senator went around and said their piece, spoke for 10 or 15 minutes. The Democratic senators kind of talked about how they believed Christine, how sexual assault survivors are some of the strongest people on the planet, and I agree with that. Republican senators talked about how this was a witch hunt, with no irony whatsoever, how Brett deserves to be on the Supreme Court, how they can't believe the Democrats are doing this, how they think that Christine Blasey Ford is telling the truth that something happened to her but she's mixed up, and it's probably not really Brett Kavanaugh. You don't get to believe that. She either is telling the truth or she's not. She has no reason to bring this allegation forward about Brett Kavanaugh. She's not sure that it's Brett Kavanaugh. During that time, they also voted to move the vote from the Judiciary Committee to the full Senate. So Supreme Court justice has to be voted with at least 11 yeses in the Judiciary Committee 
It then moves to the full Senate floor where they have to get at least 50 yeses. 50 senators have to say yes in order to move Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court bench. So they voted to move the vote from the committee to the full Senate floor. But Republican Senator from Arizona, Jeff Flake, said that he would vote to move the vote to the Senate floor on the condition that an FBI investigation be open into these allegations. The way an FBI investigation works in the case of a Supreme Court justice being considered, he's not a Supreme Court justice yet, but a Supreme Court nominee being considered, is that it's not an investigation in the way of a criminal investigation. They're not going to uncover evidence and put him in jail. It's a background investigation. It's basically a really, 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 really thorough background check. All jobs do background checks before they hire someone. In this case, it's a very thorough background check. And the FBI investigation is meant to be one week long only and limited in scope only to the allegations that were made recently. So the FBI can't go back and reopen the previous background investigation that they did. They're only investigating these allegations. If more allegations come forward, I'm not really sure. The president can then tell the FBI to continue their investigation into those new allegations. I doubt that that would happen. I don't know if any other allegations are going to come to light. Beyond the three um, that are relatively verified, there have been one or two others that were immediately debunked to be false accusations. Those aren't being investigated. Individuals in those cases have recanted. But of the three verifiable cases, those are the ones that they're looking into. It's also questionable if they're going to look into Julie Swetnick's claim. So these are all stuff that, things that are kind of still up in the air that we don't really know what they're really going to investigate, what's really going to happen. Another kind of wrench that's thrown in here, and this is a political thing, is Donald Trump is not well known for letting investigations go on independently. He likes to be involved, he likes to be persuasive, he likes to use his power and his Twitter to control them any way he can. So Donald Trump is currently being investigated for obstruction of justice. We're not going to talk about whether or not he did obstruct justice, but it is the case that that is something Robert Robert Mueller is looking into in the way of Donald Trump. What that means is that there are a number of individuals, Americans, ordinary Americans, who are concerned that Donald Trump could obstruct justice in this case as well. Will he? Won't he? I don't know. Who knows? Nobody has a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know that that's another reason that people are upset, that people are frustrated, is that there's a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of mess that I think has been bubbling up in this country. I think we can say it started with the 2016 election, but I think that that would be a lie. I think even if we go all the way back to 2000, when... Al Gore got the popular vote and George Bush ended up winning um, based on a Supreme Court 
ruling, we can go all the way back to then to say this is when the divisiveness started. We can say 9-11 is when the divisiveness started. You know, we can make a list of a million reasons. We can say the civil rights movement back in the 60s is when all this divisiveness started. I think divisiveness is a function of a diverse country. So we're always going to have these problems, these disagreements. What I want us to do is get to a place where we can all agree on a couple of points. First of all, I think we should all agree that if somebody has in fact committed sexual assault, that individual should not be able to sit on the Supreme Court or in any position in government. I don't care, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever. That should be disqualifying. I think we need to get to a place where we can all at least agree on that. Because we haven't. If you kind of look at the news, and a lot of it is sensationalized, and I think the non-extremist group, which is the largest group, the the 75% of people who are somewhere in the middle, probably agree. Sexual assault should be disqualifying. If someone was being interviewed at your job, and it came to be that that individual had committed sexual assault at their previous job, wouldn't you not want that person working at your job? And isn't it the case that your company would probably not hire that person? So we need to agree on that. The next thing is that we need to agree that women and men who come forward about sexual assault are telling the truth. The percentage of false accusations is round about 2 to 6% of all accusations. That's a very low percentage. And, generally speaking, when it is a false accusation that's made, with a full investigation, it's able to become, it's able to come to light that those accusations are in fact false. We need to get to a place where we are not automatically assuming that someone who brings this kind of accusation to light is lying. I've heard a lot of people say, when I've said I think we should have a full investigation so we can have all the facts, people counter that with saying, well, shouldn't Brett Kavanaugh be innocent until proven guilty? First of all, yes, of course. Obviously. This is America. That's how our justice system works. And if we stop having that as part of our justice system, we're going to lose a big part of our justice system and it's not going to work anymore. But, one, Brett Kavanaugh is not on trial. He's not going through a criminal proceeding. He's going through a job interview. Job interviews are not something where folks can be innocent until proven guilty. They're just job interviews. Two, Brett Kavanaugh can be innocent until proven guilty, but we can't prove him guilty without an investigation. So we have to do an investigation. And investigating an accusation of a crime does not put guilt on that person. Think about this. If someone broke into my home, I came home from work and things were strewn about my house and missing 
and it was clear that someone had broken in. And let's say I have a security system, a security camera system in my home, and I see the person. I know who did this. I call the police and I say, hey, someone broke into my house. I have on video that it was Jim Jones. The police would investigate that. They would want to see the camera. They would want to see this. They would want to see that. Investigating Jim Jones and if he did break into my house would not be presumption of guilt, right? Investigation is part of the process. And innocent until proven guilty means that Brett Kavanaugh would not go to jail or not be sentenced by a judge before we could prove that he's guilty. Brett Kavanaugh is not going to jail or being sentenced by a judge at all. So innocent until proven guilty doesn't really hold. Even still, an investigation is the right thing to do when very credible accusations are brought to light. Even still, if Brett Kavanaugh were, were innocent, Brett Kavanaugh would not be lying so much. That is my deepest concern. Brett Kavanaugh lies a lot. Brett Kavanaugh's temperament during his hearing when he was answering questions was horrible. A senator asked Brett Kavanaugh, have you ever drank to the point where you blacked out? Brett Kavanaugh's response was, have you? That's not the behavior that I'm looking for in someone that's going to sit on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. That's the type of behavior that I would expect from a 15-year-old. If a 15-year-old or 16-year-old went to a high school party and had too much to drink and came home and his parents asked him, oh, did you get drunk last night? I could understand a 16-year-old saying to his parents, well, haven't you ever gotten drunk? Huh? I could forgive that in a 16-year-old. But a 53-year-old man, married, with children, who supposedly look up to him, responding to a senator in that way, with that type of behavior, he's not fit to sit on the Supreme Court, even if he is innocent, in my opinion, based on that behavior. An investigation is the right thing. We need to believe survivors. We need to change the trajectory of this country. Because I want good men and women to be the ones getting into these powerful positions. I want the men who have not behaved in this way at parties, who have supported their friends who have gone through things like this, who respect women, who respect their wives, who raise good daughters. I want those men in powerful, powerful positions beside powerful women. But if we're talking about men, I want the good men. And the only way we're going to get good men in these positions is if we weed out the bad ones. Saying that Brett Kavanaugh is not fit to sit on the Supreme Court is not saying that all 53-year-old white men are not fit to sit on the Supreme Court. It's not saying that nobody who went to Georgetown Prep should sit on the Supreme Court. It's not saying that all men who graduate from Yale Law School have behaved in this atrocious way. 
It's not saying that. It's saying that Judge Brett Kavanaugh has demonstrated behavior that makes Judge Brett Kavanaugh not qualified. I'm sure that there are plenty more candidates who are qualified that we can select, even conservative ones, if that's what we want. And then the Republicans and the Democrats can fight over the politics of it. They can fight over whatever they fight over. All the things, obviously. We've all watched these things unfold. But these aren't the types of men, the Donald Trumps and the Brett Kavanaugh's and the Lindsey Graham's. I don't want men that blow up and explode and yell when they're challenged in positions of power in this country. I want level-headed people, people who can think critically, people who can think outside their tribe. Those are the people I want in positions of power. This isn't going to stop right now. This case is ongoing for a week. As a note, this is recorded on September 30th, the Sunday before the investigation starts. So, as I said in the trailer of this podcast, I reserve the right to change my mind. If different facts come to light in the investigation than the ones that I currently have, I may change my mind. I may do a follow-up podcast to this in a couple of weeks, probably more like a couple of months, talking about if my mind has been changed. We don't know what's going to come from the FBI investigation. What we do know is that this event has unleashed so many women to come forward with their stories to talk about the things that have happened to them. And I think what we all need to do going forward, regardless of Brett Kavanaugh, regardless of Donald Trump, regardless of Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, all that stuff aside, we need to believe women. We need to listen to women that come forward. And we need to create a world where women are safe. We need to raise young men to understand that This type of behavior is unacceptable and will follow them through the rest of their lives. And we need to raise young women to know that they are safe to come forward. So that if this same thing happens to another 15-year-old girl, she can go to her parents or to her teachers or to her religious leaders or to her counselor or whomever and not wait 30 years. Because that's what we really want. Is a world where... This isn't happening, and where if it does happen, people feel comfortable bringing it forward, people feel comfortable taking it to the police. There's a lot of changes that need to be made in the way that process works. That can be a whole different podcast. But what can we do going forward? There are three things, three action items that you can take going forward that are not related to Brett Kavanaugh to help drive this change. First, listen. Listen to the women that are telling you this is happening to them. Believe them, support them, and ask them if there's anything you can do to help. Maybe they want you to go get them a pint of ice cream. Maybe they want you to help them file a police report. Who knows? Ask. Two, support organizations 
that are driving change. Support organizations like RAIN. Support organizations like To Write Love on Her Arms who are helping people talk about the things they've been through. Support these organizations with your money, with your time, with just sharing about them so other people can know they exist, whatever it is. And three, vote. Vote Republican, vote Democrat, vote Independent, I don't care, but vote. And vote for candidates who understand that listening to women matters. Vote for candidates who understand that if women are talking about their sexual assault, that is something that needs to be addressed. Even if it's their favorite guy. Vote for candidates that understand that. Because that's what's going to make the change so that my kids and your kids and the next generation of kids can grow up in a world where this doesn't matter. I want my kids to grow up in a world where they laugh at me. How could you possibly think that was okay? What kind of world were you living in? That's what I want my kids to say about this. I want it to make no sense to them. And the only way we can make that change is if we actually start talking about it. So that's what this podcast was about. I know it's a heavy topic. I know it's super controversial more so than some other topics. And I know that it's one we don't have a lot of information about. So we can't really come to a conclusion about if Brett Kavanaugh did it, except with the limited information that we have. But we can come to a conclusion about whether or not sexual assault matters. And the answer to that is, yeah, it does. A lot. So, thanks for listening. This has been great. Um, follow us on social media. Not at Dinner Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can visit our website, notatdinnerpodcast.com. That is still under construction, so coming soon. But it does exist. So keep an eye out for all that. And we'll be back next week with something else. Thanks for listening and have a great day.